Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the RC Report. I am your host, RC Carlton. I am the founder of Iconoclastly Bombastic. We call it IBN because it's much easier to say than the little highfalutin name I have. This is my second podcast in 24 hours, so excuse me if I'm a little tired. Also, I need a haircut, so excuse the cowboy uh, paraphernalia on the top folks, but I have a very special guest with me. I found his website inside the pylon uh, during the season, and and I have to recommend, I'm not just saying this, it is one of the best, probably the best, in-depth, all 22, if you want a meat sandwich of hardcore football, the best site that you're going to find, and here I have Mark Schofield of Inside the Pylon. Hey, RC, how are you, man? Thanks for having me on. I am doing great. Let's get into... Um, we're going to do general quarterback discussion today. We're going to hit some of the draft quarterbacks as well. Uh, the trend in quarterbacking today seems to be we have a college where you have the spread, and then you have in the NFL, there, a lot of these quarterbacks are fit into that mold of an NFL quarterback. What do you see um, as far as college affecting the NFL. And what I mean is how has the Saturday's uh, quarterback play affected the way NFL, the NFL game is played? Well, the NFL is always a couple of steps behind the college game. I think, I mean, when you look at what colleges are designed to do, specifically what college coaches are designed to do, they're designed to win games. Their job isn't to get guys ready to come and play in the NFL. And a, a great example of this is Tim Tebow back when he was playing at Florida under Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer's job was to win the SEC championship. It wasn't to win, wasn't to get Tim Tebow ready to throw a 15-yard out route off a five-step drop. So if he could win the SEC championship and win a national championship with Tebow running the offense that he did, that's what he was going to do. So the NFL has kind of always lagged behind a bit in the offensive style. But what we're seeing now is so many teams running – you know, these spread option offenses, the zone read stuff that we've seen for years now, dating back to Cam Newton and Auburn. And now that NFL, other teams are seeing the success that Cam Newton had this year, that the Titans had to some extent with Marcus Mariota this season, it's a cut, it's a copycat league. So teams are going to see, A, more and more guys coming in with this skill set, B, teams in the NFL having success. So they're going to start to change their offenses and at least incorporate some of those concepts into what they do. Mariota is a great example. Comes in with the offense that he was running at Oregon, a spread skill set, zone read style system. Tennessee incorporated more and more of that style into their offense this year, and it helped with his transition. Yeah, that, that leads me to my second question. My follow-up question is, where do you see um, – the game going as far as the NFL game and how much do you think uh, teams will adapt to that? Because what we're getting is a lot of uh, general managers are complaining that these quarterbacks aren't pro ready. You look at someone like Bryce Petty and they'll say he's very far away because the system just is basically one read and hit it really quickly. Do you see the NFL adapting? I know you mentioned Mariota, but do you see the NFL adapting more into that? Or do you think they'll continue to force these quarterbacks into a box? I mean, I think we're, we're kind of on the cusp of the paradigm shift in offensive structure, I think. I think as more, like I said, more and more of these college teams have quarterbacks that run this system. NFL coaches, A, they're going to face a decision whether they're going to try to fit these guys square pegs into round holes or B, if they're going to try to adapt a bit. Another thing to think about is 
we're going to get more and more coaches moving to the NFL ranks from the college game. And these are going to be guys that have coached this style of offense in the past. So as more and more of these guys enter the NFL, running these types of offenses, it's going to shift that way as well. The big sort of problem I see is sort of the salary cap rush roster evaluation situation where if you have to pay, you know, a lot of your salary dollars to a quarterback, are you going to expose him to a system which exposes him to beatings on the field where he's, you know, going to be exposed in a zone read system or a Chip Kelly system where the quarterback gets hit a lot. So those are the kind of the, you know, the, the I guess the struggle is a way to put it between where the NFL is going to go eventually, but the things that are holding the NFL back in the offensive game. I've seen on your website, great writing, by the way, but I've seen on your website individually with you, a lot of times you write articles that basically uh, warn people not to scout based on the box score. I think right. the barrels of box score scouting. Uh, for the And I think the average fan misses this when it comes to quarterback play. I think if there's anything that the average fan of the NFL doesn't understand very well, it's quarterback play. But what do you mean about uh, the perils of box score scouting. Right. Well, there's two ways to look at it. One, you know, if you're looking at sort of a box score and you see, oh, Jared Goff threw five interceptions against Utah. I mean, this guy's going to be the first quarterback taken, but he had a game with five picks. I mean, he can't be that good, right? But when you look at the tape, when you look at exactly what happened on each play, for example, I looked at one of his interceptions in that Utah game, and he made a great read, a great decision, showed pretty good patience in the pocket, waited for an underneath linebacker to kind of clear the throwing lane, and delivered a precise, precision, well-thrown, accurate pass on a slant route, which hit the receiver basically right in the face. And he it just doinks off his hands, bops up in the air, and it's an interception. So while you might look at the box score and think, oh, he threw an interception, that's a bad play, what you see in the film really tells you a lot of good things about this quarterback. But there's a flip side to that. I wrote an article about Josh Woodrum, who's small school quarterback from Liberty University, kind of flying under the radar right now. But he's been invited to the Combine. He was invited to the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, to, which is an all-star game. He threw a screen pass that went for a 17, 18-yard gain, and it looks good when you see the stats, but he missed the fact that on the other side of the field, the wide receivers weren't even covered. They didn't have a defensive back cover in these two guys. So he could have just taken the ball, thrown to the outside, and possibly gotten a touchdown, but he just missed it. So what I'm really trying to get at is playing quarterback is hard. Evaluating quarterbacks is hard. There's so much context that goes into every single play that sometimes we just don't even know. We can make guesses as to the read structure, the progression reads, like you look at the X receiver, the Y receiver, the Z receiver on each play and make your decisions, but they're all educated guesses. We're not in the huddle. We don't know exactly what's going on. So we try to provide the context. We try to you know, show our work and say, this is what we're seeing, but we'll never know unless we're in the huddle with these guys. But it's hard. It's hard to play the position. What I have seen, and and I guess I've been studying very hard as far as the All-22 tape and breaking down film and listening to guys, at least the last three or four years, seriously doing it. What, what The thing I'm struggling with, and I'm a big fan of Pro Football Focus as well as your site, but the thing I'm struggling with is where is the balance between what's actually happening and what we see on film? For example, uh, running quarterback. The best example I can think of as a running quarterback is when, let's or 15 yards, but he missed a guy that was open on a, a 20, 25-yard dig. Or you have a dropped interception where the quarterback makes a bad read, and 
it didn't happen. And we're punishing them and saying over time, maybe these bad reads and these dropped interceptions should have been caught. But sometimes it just doesn't work out like that. So I guess I'm asking, like, what, where do you, how do you balance the actual results between missed opportunities or mistakes that you get away with on film? It's, it's really hard to balance it, and that's a really good question. And I think the approach that I try to take is, you know, when I, when I wrote that article that I just talked about where that quarterback Josh Woodrum missed what could have been a big play because he was so focused and so detail-oriented on throwing the screen route to the left that he missed the uncovered receivers to the right is we don't know what his coaches were telling him. Maybe his coaches told him in that week leading up to the game that, look, we're going to come out in this formation, and what West Virginia does every time they see dual slot formations to the wide side of the field, they're going to not cover the outside receiver. So just we're going to see that, ignore it, don't worry about it, stay with the play because it's still going to work. So what I try to do is just say this is what I'm seeing. This is how I would evaluate it. This is why I think it's a negative decision by the quarterback, but we don't know for sure what he's being told. So the approach that I really take is here's the information we have given to us. We don't know everything. I think this is a bad decision, but in the right context, this could be the perfectly fine decision. So it's just something to think about as the readers do their own work, do their own evaluation process of the quarterback. But, you know, sometimes a bad decision, what looks to be like a bad decision on film, might actually be the right one. On our page, we had a debate uh, today, this morning, I proposed the question, and I'm going to ask the question of you. You're starting a team right now, today, with the current quarterbacks and going forward. Uh, who are your top three quarterbacks that you would choose in the NFL? Who would they be? Out of guys that are currently in the league? Yes. In no particular order off the top of my head, Cam Newton, uh, Jameis Winston, and I'm I'm struggling with the third, and I'm probably going to say Derek Carr. As much as I like Marcus Mariota, I really love what Carr has done the first two seasons in the NFL. But, you know, started with Cam Newton, I think – he had an incredible season, and he's almost a transformative figure at the quarterback position because I think the success that he and Carolina had this year, it gets us back to how we started this show with offense. other offensive coordinators. You're going to see what they were able to do, what Cam was able to do with the weapons that he had around him, leading that team to the Super Bowl and think, okay, we can get a guy that's coming into the NFL with that sort of spread background, that sort of skill set, and build a team around him and succeed in the NFL. Well, I would and, push back if I could push back sure. a little bit on Cam. I would say Cam is so unique and part of his and some of the problems that we saw in the Super Bowl, but part of his ability that he's so big and that he's so involved in the run game, I feel like opens up passing lanes across the middle, which Denver ultimately took away and forced him to outside go outside the numbers. So I, I I struggle with Cam being. I know you said this word. I struggle with Cam being the template because he's so unique. Right. And, you know, maybe that's a, a fair critique of what I was saying, but I think on the more global sort of look at it, you know, Cam is definitely unique. He's a physical freak at the position as well. When you think about it, he's basically the same size as J.J. Watt, but he's playing quarterback. Which is scary. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, that's terrifying. But, you know, teams can kind of look at that offensive scheme and say, okay, if we can get a guy in that is big, is athletic, but can move, can throw on the run. Guys like Carson Wentz and Paxton Lynch, not saying that those guys are the next Cam Newton. I'm not saying that, but those yeah. are guys that are big, that are athletic, can throw on the move, can carry the football, can tuck and go. Teams can look at what Carolina did then look at a guy like Paxton Lynch and say, okay, we can do something with him. He's not going to be a guy that we have to force into 
putting him under center and Rex Kuhn in a seven-step drop. We could put him with a shotgun and run the inverted veer with him. He was a former Win T quarterback in high school. We can make yeah. we can make that work. So what uh Cam's progression, where did you see Cam improve the most this year? Or what did what did you just think of? I mean, obviously it was a great season, but where did you see the improvement? downfield vision and the ability to manipulate defenders with his eyes. I wrote a couple of pieces where he was able to do that, where he was able to, you know, know he has a vertical route on the sideline to the left and look that safety off, freeze that safety in the middle of the field, and then hit that deep route where he could manipulate underneath defenders with his eyes. That was something that he wasn't asked to do a lot of when he was in Auburn. And it's tough to do. It's tough to learn that skill, especially at the NFL level. But it's it's something that if you can master that, you can take a coverage that's designed to beat the route structure that you're running and still get guys out of position. A great example of that is an article I wrote about Tom Brady against the Chiefs in the playoffs. He had Edelman on a short slant route from the slot. Kansas City was in cover one. They had the underneath hole linebacker whose sole purpose in cover one in that scheme is to take away slant routes and in routes. Edelman runs a slant route. He Brady freezes that linebacker, gets him bailing to the other side of the field on an out route to Amendola because he looks that way first, gets that linebacker out of position, perfectly timed slant route, throws it incredibly well, 10-yard gain. That's the kind of stuff that Newton is starting to do with his game. And when you can do that, when you can beat a defense designed to beat the play you're running, you leave defensive coordinators scratching their head and wondering what the heck to do next. Your second guy, I forgot. Who was your second guy? Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston. Okay. Uh, give me, tell me why you chose Jameis. Jameis was a guy, and last year was the first year I really did sort of quarterback draft evaluation work and ranking quarterbacks and stuff like that. And I had Winston 2, Mariota 1, but it was almost like a 1-1-A. I really liked both of those guys. Jameis came into the league, and I thought he was the more pro-ready guy, and he exceeded my expectations, which admittedly were pretty high for him. I've written a lot about what Jameis was able to do in that Buccaneers offense this year. And, again, there's a guy that came from a more pro-style system Jimbo Fisher's offense does a lot of pro concepts. He did a lot under center, but just a quick release, great arm for the position, ability to work through a number of different style progression reads, whether it's the mesh concept, the smash concept, you know, curl flat concepts. They did a lot of different things, full field reads, and he was able to do it well while adjusting to the pro game and off the field stuff. He's becoming a leader in that Tampa Bay locker room. And that's been, I think, the more impressive aspect of his development is the ability to come in as a rookie and basically take that team over. That's his team now. And going forward, I would, you know, love to have the opportunity to build a team around him. And that's the weird thing about Jamie contrary to public opinion and his image and then some of the just silly things he does in college. But anyone you talk to, any research you do from college, they'll, and now in the pros, they'll say he's a fantastic leader. I'm right. not exactly sure why, but you, I well, guess you some guys, some guys just have that. Some guys just have that personality in them where they're like, you know, you've got guys that play the quarterback position that come off the field, they go to the bench and they start looking at, you know, yeah. Polaroids or the Microsoft surface tablet, or they're just like so immersed in what they're doing. Then you get other guys that are up and down the sideline going to every single guy, like every, all the offensive linemen, all the receivers, all the running backs yeah. and say, look, let's go next drive. Another drive. We'll get another drive. We'll get another drive. That's Winston. Some guys just have that in them. And I think yeah. there's a couple of guys in this class and other guys in the league that have that too. It's it's another 
aspect of the position that sometimes people forget, but it's important because when that guy gets in the huddle and you get 10 sets of eyes looking back at you, you need all those 10 sets of eyes believing in what's going to happen next. And if a team doesn't have that, a team might not be able to win. And I, just as a, a, a side note and a funny note, I really miss those Polaroids. It's just not the same. It's Polaroid. not the same. It's Look not at this. Watch this uh, I mean, I remember watching Steve Young. I don't know why Steve Young points out, but they're, they're buried in that Polaroid or whatever yeah. it was, the picture. And you, now you're looking at a tablet. It just doesn't have the it's same. It's not the same. It's nice when you get – and it always amazed me how when they had the Polaroids, they were able to, like, print those things off and get them into a binder, like, so quickly. It's like, whose job is that to, like, get the three-ring, like, punch and, like, punch <laughs> and get them into the binder? But – yeah, I missed that. I I totally agree with you. That was great. It's like the bullpen carts in baseball. Like, bring those back, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, number three, you had Derek Carr. I did. Give me, give me your take on Derek Carr. Um, You can't deny the numbers that he's put up over the first two years. I mean, 53 TDs, second only to Dan Marino in a quarterback's, like, first two years in the NFL. I think with Derek Carr, they've got now the – the growing relationship between him and Amari Cooper is going to be the more fa- one of the more fascinating things to watch from an offensive standpoint over the next few years. Amari Cooper comes into the league and gives you the entire route tree day one. I mean, the guy can run every single route in the book. And he and Carr seem to be on such a wavelength right now where they know exactly where the other is going to be, especially on routes like the deep comeback route. And I think with Carr, he's now in that, he's in that offense. He's got talent around him. They're doing things the right way out in Oakland. I think that's going to be a team to watch. The AFC West seems to be on a bit of a decline. We don't know what's going to happen with Denver. Kansas City, yeah, they made the playoffs, but they're going to lose some pieces on defense. Oakland's a team I would definitely keep your eye on next season. Uh, two people you left off the list, and uh, yeah, two people left off the list that I would I would have on my list are Luck and Wilson. What's your take on them, and why? Yeah, obviously, when you're ranking these things, sometimes they're very close, but. Yeah, I mean, they're all very close, and and Luck and Wilson are two tremendous talents at the quarterback position. The thing with Luck that I like is, and it's a neglected sometimes aspect to play at the quarterback position, is ball security in the pocket. You always, When you get a chance to watch him, watch his left hand. Watch how it's consistently glued to the football as he's moving around in the pocket. It's, it's a very subtle thing, but you don't see a lot of strip sacks coming from Andrew Luck. And I, I think that, you know, again, came into the league, started pretty much right away, um, definitely a talented quarterback, but in terms of my personal preference, I'm just I lean more towards the three guys that I just mentioned, just because I like the situations they're in, the stuff that they've been able to do at an early point in their career. And as far as Cam, just I just love watching Cam play. For Russell, again, you know, can't deny the success that he's had. You know, leading this team to two Super Bowls, getting them back to the playoffs again. I just and you know, he's a guy that can make defenders miss in the pocket, can extend plays, has good downfield vision. I just think for, you know, my own personal biases, definitely Wilson's close to those three guys, but I just kind of put those three guys just a notch above. Yeah. What's your take on Bortles? Bortles is a guy that I think, and this is a comp that you're going to hear a lot this draft season, is that he got, he was supposed to let, they were supposed to let him sit in Jacksonville because raw guy, Showed some things very similar. You're hearing the Wentz to Bortles comp a lot. You're hearing the same sort of things about Wentz that you were hearing about Bortles back when he was coming out. Great talent, athletic kid, big arm, can move. He needs some time to sit. But this is a win-now league. Fan bases don't have patience. Ownership bases don't have patience. So they force a guy in. And what 
I think about when Bortles got forced into action early is there were some mechanics to his delivery, the throwing mechanism, the way he moved his upper body that he worked on and tried to refine. It was working towards getting them sorted out. But when he got thrown into the fire as a rookie, he started to revert to all the bad habits because that's what you do. It's one thing to be out there on Wednesday afternoon, you know, working on the throwing mechanism, working on your mechanics and getting it down. But when you're running around on Sunday afternoon for your life and you've got J.J. Watt breathing down your neck, you're going to revert to what worked when you were in high school, when you were in college, when you were running around the backyard as a kid. So, you know, he's a guy that got forced into early, and I hope for his sake that he's able to sort through that stuff and work through it because he is a talented quarterback. That, yeah, I, that's why I struggle with pro days, not the pro day concept itself, but I struggle with the buzz where they say, okay, well, Teddy got hurt by it, but they, when they, right. sell, they say, oh, he's changed his throwing motion. Oh, Blake has changed his throwing motion. I, I can't remember a time where someone changed their throwing motion and it worked long term from, from a pro day and it worked long term when they played in the league because when, when they're in the fire, when they're pressured, like you said, they revert. It's muscle right. memory. You're right, not exactly. Be able to change. And, you know, how many times did we hear, oh, Tim Tebow, he's working on that throw motion he's getting rid of that windmill motion every off season every, <laughs> you're right. it was every off season it was always oh, he's, he's fixed the throw motion and bringing up Bortles' pro day is a great point one of the very first articles i wrote back before we were even called inside the pond we were called football central it's like a year and a half old was when teddy and blake they you know saw their first live game action it was week four of the 2014-15 season and i looked at Bortles in the pocket during his first games, and I looked at his pro day tape. And nice mechanics on his pro day, but that's nice to do when you're in a T-shirt and shorts. It's different when you're in pads, and like I said, you've got guys breathing down your neck. You re- Like you said, it's muscle memory. You revert to what you remember. Uh, great discussion so far. Let's hit the college draft uh, quarterbacks. Which of the quarterbacks do you feel – and I don't like this term, but it's the best term. Pro ready is the term. But let's say, let's make it more specific because these draft terms, they get kind of nebulous right. sometimes. But what, which quarterback do you feel like day one is the most ready to take over a team and, and lead it and be the quarterback? I mean, that's an interesting question. And I think in this class, there aren't a lot of guys that are ready to do that. I mean, I think you look at some of the names that are banded about near the top of this class, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Paxton Lynch. There's guys that still need some time to sort of refine their game. The guy that I think is the most pro-ready, the guy that I think is probably I'd be most comfortable seeing under center week one, out of all those guys is Connor Cook from Michigan State. And the main reason is, again, veteran guy, running out of a pro-style offense for a long time now. He's a guy that can work under center, out of the shotgun, can give you you know, st- stuff in the vertical passing game. He can give you stuff sort of on the rollout, on the move, switch vertical concepts, stuff like that, can throw with anticipation, has played in some big spots. I mean, he's probably the most pro-ready guy. I don't think he's the guy that has the highest ceiling by any stretch, but if you needed somebody to start week one out of this rookie class, he'd probably be it, but... With Connor, what you see is what you get. I don't anticipate a lot of further development to his game. I think Goff, Lynch, Wentz, Cardale Jones, they all have higher ceilings than Connor Cook. What's your take on Goff? I know a lot of people seem to be concerned about his size, but obviously he is very good in the rhythm and timing passing game. Uh, sometimes, sometimes he's inaccurate. Just He's spotty at times. What's your take on him? I'm still pretty high on Goff. I haven't really finalized rankings, but he's definitely 
from where I sit in the discussion for that number one overall quarterback pick. But again, that's in a vacuum. I mean, different teams will have different ideas of who their top quarterback is going to be depending on what scheme they run. For Goff, size is a bit of a concern. He's got a bit of a thin frame to him, but he's added weight. He's added some bulk to him while he's been at Cal. He had a shoulder shoulder injury that he had some surgery on, so he missed a little bit of time. But he's again, he's added that bulk. I think what you get with Goff is – he runs that sort of bear raid. It's an air raid style offense, but they incorporate progression reads. He can make full field reads. From what I've read, he's pretty involved in the protection schemes. He might not make all the calls, but he's pretty much aware of what they're doing up front for him from snap to snap, from play to play. He's got great feet in the pocket. Keeps him moving all the time. There are times when it's almost like he's moving too much, where he might roll from pressure too much. But he's got pretty good footwork, especially when you put him next to Cook or you're next to Wentz maybe, who guys are more stoic in the pocket, even though they're pretty athletic. So I'm pretty high on golf. I think he's got enough arm strength to make the throws to the NFL level. He can make anticipation throws. He's a guy that, like I said, can slide around in the pocket fairly well. So I think if you're a quarterback needing team, he should be near the top of your list. I've only watched two games of okay. of Carson Wentz, but I really like what I see. I've kind of gone through. I go through and I watch a couple of games, and then I go. I'll, I'll try to get as many guys as possible, and then go back through and watch deeper. So I've only watched a couple of games of, of of the top five, but Wentz in particular. But I like him a lot. I like the size. I like the mobility. He does remind me of Borders a little bit, but I feel like he's. I, I, I like what I see in college better, especially with the mechanics. But when you're looking at a quarterback that's coming from the uh, FCS to ask him to make that adjustment from that to the right. pros, it, it, it's steep. It is steep. It is steep. But that's part of the reason I was really excited to see him, you know, down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl down there that week to see him in practice, to see him get some reps against guys that, you know, were probably some of the best competition that he's seen. And he handled himself extremely well. Had a great week of practice. Really loved some of the throws he was able to make. And, you know, we talked earlier about Jameis and that leadership ability and that ability to, like, kind of take over a huddle, take over a locker room. You could surely see that from Carson Wentz down there, even just pre-practice, the way he was – you know, even the little things, just like, you know, working on this quarterback center exchange with all the different centers down there before practice and the way he would, like – he was always the first guy to the next drill. I mean, it seemed like he's just – got that sort of Boy Scout leadership mentality to him that is also important when evaluating quarterbacks. As far as the on-the-field stuff, again, he's a guy that in that North Dakota State offense, most of the time they were the more talented team on the field, so he was seeing a lot of open receivers. You know, He kind of gets talked about as, oh, he's a guy that's in a one-read quarterback because he's always thrown to his first read. Well, his first read was usually open. Because he was a talented guy. So I don't see that really as a bad thing. I mean, it'd be bad if he was looking at his first read, seeing that he's open, but then forcing a different throw. I mean, it gets us back to that, you know, knocking a guy for doing the right thing kind of discussion we had earlier. Paxton Lynch seems like his stock is dropping. Another draft term that I'm not that great, but it's hard not to, not that high on. It's hard to uh, not say some of these uh, cliches. Right. But, no, it's so uh, easy. I- after the Auburn game, uh, a lot of people uh, look or down on him a little bit. Right. Give me the strength and weaknesses of Paxton Lynch. Well, Paxton, I think, is a guy that if you use the term ceiling and floor, he might have the highest ceiling out of any of these guys because you know he's still getting adjusted to even the offense he was playing in college because he was a wing T quarterback in high school, ran the ball more than anything. It was because his coaches said, look, he didn't have we knew he could throw. He was the best athlete on our team. We don't have anybody that could catch the ball, so we just let him run the wing T offense, and we won that way. 
now he goes to Memphis and he's running that sort of like spread offense that he's been running. Incredibly athlete, athletic, you know, big guy, has a great arm. He's, you know, ball placement can be a little bit erratic at times in the intermediate and deep game, but he's still lured in the position. He's working now. He's got a coach down in Orlando. You see stuff on Twitter all the time where he's working on five-step props, seven-step props, you know, the band eight routes and stuff like that. I think that Lynch is a guy that if you give him a year, let him learn the system, he could be a great quarterback. If he's forced into action early, he might have the lowest floor out of any of these guys and perhaps the highest bust rate because, again, still trying to learn even the system he was running in college, he's a very raw talent at the quarterback position. With time, I think he could be great. In the wrong situation, it could just—it might not work. Cardell Jones uh, led the led Ohio State to a national championship, obviously. But I felt like the more of Cardell I saw, the less I liked. Yeah, I, I could I could totally see that, and I think Cardell it. The raw stuff that's there is incredible. The question that kind of comes out is then why wasn't why wasn't Ohio State able to sort of duplicate the success they had during that incredible three game run that he had, where he led you know Ohio State to a national championship, wins the Big Ten championship game, wins the semifinal game against Auburn, and then you know they blow out Oregon in the national championship game. A tremendous arm strength. Obviously, a guy that is not only just athletic, but has play strength as well in the pocket. I mean, he's not a guy that you want to take on one-on-one as a cornerback in the open field. I think where it kind of comes apart for him in a way is he's almost too fast. He's almost too athletic. He's almost so far accelerated where it's almost like he's out of control a bit. That's, in a way, a good problem to have because you could take a guy that's like that. You can take a guy that's aggressive, that's athletic, that's big, that's strong, that has the raw tools, and coach him to dial it back a bit. And I think if you get a get him sort of ex- under Bill O'Brien in Houston and watch what they could do with him because I think that would be a great fit. I mean, he would be able to coach him up a little bit, let him learn a bit a little bit, refine that, dial him back a bit, and he could work. But, again, it's all where these guys end up. And you could see, like you said, as it's gone on, it hasn't worked. It had, There's been a regression. There's got to be a way to get back to what we saw initially. Is there any other quarterback that's on the list this year that you think that intrigues you or you think could make some noise or even if they could be a functional backup for 10 years? Anybody else that intrigues you? I mean, what I love about this draft class is it is not top heavy. You don't see a surefire, you know, 15 year all pro Hall of Fame guy in this class. They're all sort of, you know, there's going to need to be some work done on all these guys and some refinement. But it's incredibly deep. I mean, there are guys near the back of this class that I think are going to be in the league for years. I mean, you look at a Cody Kessler or Kevin Hogan, guys that, you know, they might not be surefire NFL starters, but they'll kick around the league for a while. you got guys like Trevon Boykin, who I think, A, he deserves every shot in the world to play quarterback in the NFL, and B, I really hope he's in a camp somewhere, either whether he's drafted or a priority free agent signing, because he's a guy that I think can make a lot of throws. I love the aggressive nature to his throwing game. I love the way he's able to drop his throwing arm, his throwing motion to fit the ball around defenders. Now, the guy that I was watching today that I like is Vad Lee, the quarterback from James Madison University, another FCS school, but a guy that was running sort of a triple option but has become a spread passer. He's very aggressive in the passing game. Love the way he spreads the ball around. Love sort of the play speed that he has, the way he can work through progressions. Dak Prescott is a guy that has, again, 
showed himself to develop more at the quarterback position. When you watch some of his junior tape, wasn't great. He was missing some some plays in the passing game. But his senior year definitely sort of grew into that offense they were running down at Mississippi State. So there's a number of guys. Those are just a couple. But I think that day three, you're going to see some guys that get drafted, some guys that get hear their name called, and they're going to be in the league for a while. Mark, this is fantastic. The highest compliment I can give anybody that breaks down film was this. This is Greg Cosell level stuff. I don't know about that, us. man. No. Love, I love it, man. Like, it's hard for me to say. I mean, but no, you're, I you're believe it. I appreciate that. Because he's my guy. But this is fantastic. Your site is fantastic. Uh, tell us where you we can follow you and your site and everything you need to plug. Plug it. Plug away. If you're gonna let me plug away, I'll plug away, man. First, the site is insidethepylon.com. Uh, we've got our glossary, which we try to help explain some football terminology. Uh, you can follow the site on Twitter, which is IT Pylon. You can follow me on Twitter, Mark, M-A-R-K, Schofield, S-C-H-O-F-I-E-L-D. Um, we're going to be doing a lot of draft coverage. And one last thing to plug, look, I've got a book out right now. It's called 17 Drives. You can find it on Amazon. You can read about it. There's an excerpt of the book up on Inside the Pylon where you know we put one of the chapters out there. Basically, it is a play-by-play look at 17 of the most important drives from this college football season, you know, week to week. So I, you know, the most important drive from week one all the way through the national championship game. It's got diagrams, multiple diagrams for each play. So you can see sort of how the play came together, how the drive came together and how that one drive not only impacted that game, but the entire college football season. Love it, Mark. Thank you so much. This was fantastic. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Love all the work you do and happy to come on anytime, man, and talk ball. Thank you, man. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, RC. Right. That was Mark Schofield of Inside the Pylon. That was fantastic. As uh, Colin Cowherd would say, a meat sandwich. As far as what I have to offer, you can like this YouTube page. You can like our Facebook page at Facebook backslash IBN. You can go to the website, kind of classically, bombastic.com. Follow us on Twitter at Bomb. And last, certainly not least, and most importantly, rate us on iTunes. Search IBN and give us five-star ratings. If you like the quality work that you heard yesterday and today, give us a shout-out. Give us a review. Thank you. Hope you have a good day.